This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. You guys can have a seat. Morning, Emmaus. <laughs> Things are a little different this morning. It's exciting, to say the least. Also, I don't think I've ever done an interview um, in my life like this, but I have a cup and papers and a seat. I think I, I, think I have everything that we need. We'll just go from there, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we're, uh, so I'm kind of excited about this morning. We've been talking about it for a while with most of you. Um, we're, uh, we were a little bummed that things were delayed last Sunday, but if we have to, uh, not do church every time we have a top five snowstorm in Colorado, I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. Um, I think we'll be able to meet most Sundays. Uh, I've been, just for a little bit of context, and, uh, I thought it would be funny just to share that when, I think when me, when Ben came on staff, it may have been like the first meeting that we had together. <laughs> He's laughing like it probably was. And Ben was like, we need to do a branding. And I'm like, of all the things that we should consider in our first meeting together, <laughs> why do we need a new logo? It's sort of like as, uh, uh, as maybe myopic as, as my view was on that, and uh, I think working through sort of the process has been super encouraging for me. Um, conversations have with Ben, with Laura, with Cole have been super encouraging to me, and so I really, honestly, just wanted to share some of that with the community. I hope you know my prayer this week has been that it's so it's an encouraging to you as well, uh, and also just sort of show that there uh, there is more than just a logo uh, behind behind branding. <laughs> Um, and that there's actually some, some meat there. There's actually some weight there. Um, I think it unifies us as a church. Um, God calls us to be one as Jesus is one. So I think there's, there's unity that comes from that. I think it clarifies the gospel that we want to proclaim. Uh, we're called to proclaim the gospel clearly as we ought to. Um, so I think it's, it helps us be more clear. Uh, and in a lot of ways, we're, uh, after this little kind of interview e section here, we're gonna have a little sermonette on our values, uh, which is uh, inward and outward love, word centrality and gospel beauty. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, those kind of not only just reflect who we are as a community, um, but for those who are new to the community or, uh, or even for those of us that have been here as long as Cole, which I think is for forever, um, they're, they're like a compass. Uh, they help us just have some direction. If we wanna see Denver transformed by the beauty of the gospel, um, that sounds great, and I love that as our vision, but what are some tangible things that we can sort of direct ourselves by so that we can see transformation, whether that's in ourselves, whether it's in our gospel communities, our DNAs, or, or also the city around us. So, so I thought I would just start um, by asking Laura a little bit about how the process worked, just so you guys can understand some of that. Um, Laura does this for a living, maybe not for a living, but she does this as a, as a, as a job. And uh, it's really, I think it's super cool to see how God equips our community with different people in different ways. Um, and it's, I, it's, it's just been a blessing to me to work with Laura. Um, 
it shouldn't have to be said, but it's Cole is one of my best friends. He has been the most faithful servant to our church that I am aware of and has a lot of experience with where we're at as a community. And I thought it'd be awesome just to hear from Cole's perspective being here for 10 years, um, just how some of these things are a reflection of, of who Emmaus is. So that's why uh, Cole's up here. And Laura's sort of the, maybe the brains behind the operation. Um, and we're, yeah. <laughs> so so why, don't, why don't you start, Laura, and just maybe say like, what, why isn't it just a logo maybe? And what, and if, if it's helpful, like what is the actual, what was the process that you went through with, with leadership or with the community or, or how did that kind of look? Give us a little context for that. I feel so. <coughs> nice. nice. I will sip <laughs> on testing, my cup testing. while you do that. Does this sound good? <laughs> I feel so official. I remember um, <laughs> you guys both talking about how we were setting this up and being like, it's like Good Morning America, but Good Morning Emmaus. So I hope everyone feels that way. Um, but yes, it was such such an enjoyable, intentional, fun time um, going through this whole process. And I think that, first of all, in the process, what I generally start with whenever I have branding clients is doing um, an in-depth questionnaire just to get a feel for um, like a company or organization's target audience and values and mission, and then seeing how we can incorporate that into their aesthetic. And I just remember getting back the initial results from, <laughs> Aaron's laughing, um, maybe because it was very wordy, <laughs> but also- You had um, all the questions. Right, <laughs> right, and that's what it's for. It's the worst whenever people respond and have like, two sentences, and you're like, okay, it's so much to build off of, thank you. <laughs> but um, I just remember getting the results and reading through everything and just feeling so elated and so joyful about the amount of intentionality and time and effort that clearly went into those um, verbose answers <laughs> that I so appreciated and just feeling so... Um, <laughs> just so comforted by the fact that this is not just a, a one-off thing that you're like, oh, I'm going to put this much intentionality into the branding questionnaire. It's like, no, that's, that's everywhere at Emmaus. So I feel like that was so helpful for me to, to see, um, to just know that it's everywhere. But yeah, from that, um, we then did, got to do some Pinterest uh, mood boarding which was really fun just to see how we could get the aesthetic displayed um, to, match the, to match the words and everything, which was, which was really fun. And something I also highly appreciated about working with you all was just your, um, your desire to incorporate others into the process, that it was not like, oh, this is just a leadership thing, but something that is so true about Emmaus is incorporating the community always. And... So just how that was started from the very beginning. But yeah, that's a little bit into the process <sighs> as I'm figuring out the mic. And yeah. So uh, that's helpful. And I think that it was really, you know, I think it was fun for Ben and I to discuss some of the, the Q&As. And I remember kind of queuing it up uh, with Cole. And it was kind of just fun to think through about who we are, about some of the things that we've experienced, and just to talk through like, 
like stuff you don't often sit down to think about, you know, in, in great, a great deal. And so it was, it was, I feel like it was even during that time of the year last year, it was encouraging to sort of like think through some of those things and, and just remind ourselves of, of why we're a community and what is encouraging um, about who we are. So I think, yeah, there was, I first when I got the question, I was like, this is a lot of questions. But it was, on our side of things, I think it was enjoyable also to like kind of work through those things. I am curious, so as you like thought about that and you were, um, uh, you know, you're part of our community as well, so it's not just a, a client. I thought that was a unique kind of difference as we work through these things. What, as you thought about some of the aesthetic elements, what, what kind of stood out for you is like, man, I, I really think this is like a great way to represent who Emmaus is. What, like maybe get specific on a couple of the things that we, that let lend towards our brand as a whole that, that you were excited about. Yes, and way to, way to go on remembering that point. That was something that I wanted to touch on as far as me being able to be a part of Emmaus, um, but also coming and looking at it from a branding and strategic standpoint. So that was kind of a super fun complementarian, complementarian, I don't know if you use that there, <laughs> but uh, just a, an overview of everything that was, that was fun to be able to add. Um, and yeah, so I think that first of all, in looking at um, the Emmaus Church logo right up there on the screens, so you all just you know, might think, oh, that looks cool and that looks fun. And hopefully you think that. And also <laughs> there's so much uh, intentionality that goes behind making making a graphic, making a logo. And so something that I wanted to highlight would be the text that we picked. Um, and that is a sans serif. If you guys know the difference between sans serif and serif. So if you're thinking like, Sans serif, like comic sans, because everybody loves that font. Um, <laughs> kind of a joke. Uh, but then a serif font, like Times New Roman. And so Times New Roman, you know, has like the little, um, no, I'm like not thinking of what words to say, but the edging on the fonts mm. um, to go down and just making it more, um, more formal feeling. Whereas if you're looking at the sans serif, so without the serifs, like comic sans, it's one fluid motion, and so more welcoming and approachable. And so something, whenever I was reading um, the questionnaire answers, that we was just a very clear, um, clear value that we wanted to portray was the welcoming and familial feeling. So that I felt could be best accomplished through the sans serif, as well as. Um, the, there's intentionality as far as the, all of the letters touching each other in Emmaus, except for the E, and that is just the connectedness. Um, and I just remember the first time coming to Emmaus, and uh, I think this is so many people's first experiences, but feeling immediately drawn in and welcomed by everyone, and so we wanted to be able to portray that um, through the aesthetic elements. Nice. So yeah, that's that's about the fun. I also thought it was cool when we talked about like we went back and forth on sort of how to display our logo, and we wanted to say, hey, we want to make it clear that we're a church. Yes. Like there's a handful of different ways to do that. We're not like that's not a secret, you know. Like church, <laughs> church is is intentionally meant to be larger uh, on that uh, uh, on our logo, which I think is cool. And I like the we brought up, you know, Cole, you maybe pick up your microphone. We brought up the. Uh, uh, we brought up the, the sort of uh, connectedness and and hospitality and 
just feeling welcomed. I get, I'm, Cole, why do you think, I'm just, I'm curious your thoughts, like why is that such a part of who Emmaus is? That's definitely like my experience when I came. I feel like I came and visited once and Luke Blaine, one of our previous elders, asked if he could pray with me about something, you know? And it was like literally my first time I was from out of town and he was the guy up front singing and just shared some things and he, not, and he asked to just pray with me and I thought that was like really encouraging. So it's my, my experience even coming from Emmaus and, you know, Cole, you've been here twice as long as, as me. Why do you think that's such a part of who we are, like in our sort of DNA, so to speak? Yeah, so uh, connectedness, I guess. Um, if you've been with Emmaus for any amount of time, um, you've heard our vision. We exist to see Denver transformed by the beauty of the gospel. But an integral part of that is that we are a family of servant missionaries. And so uh, that whole language, you can't be a family without being connected. And so um, like my family is in Texas, I'm still connected to my family. Um, but likewise, we're all united together in Christ. And so if we're not connected to each other, then we have to ask ourselves, are we living out our identity as a, as a family of certain missionaries? Are we actually connected and united together in Christ as a family? Um, and so that's why this connectedness is, is so integral, and we want to do everything we can to pr promote that connectedness. That's why we have uh, rhythms of, of gospel communities and of DNAs and uh, various things. And so we do all that to promote this connectedness, this identity, this reality that we've been united as one family in Christ. Um, and so, um, yeah, I guess no, that's good. hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, I think that does. And I, you know, we talk about being a family of servant missionaries, and you'll actually see that language sprinkled into the explanations of each one of these values. And we'll kind of walk through that after sort of this interview section. But yeah, I think that's that's definitely, that language has been here as far as I'm concerned, as far as, as long as I've been here, and it's cool to see that that's been sort of throughout um, and just being a family. And I appreciate Cole on that front. I mean, I, I, there, I feel like there was a time in Amazes history where every GC came from Cole's GC. Uh, so, and I was one of those GCs, and uh, I think Cole was very welcoming, um, even being in his GC and seeing that... Um, it was just a diverse group when I first came to Emmaus within your GC, and it was cool to see how welcoming everybody was. Um, you know, the, I feel like the story you often tell is after the election a couple times ago. That there wasn't a uniformity in, in opinions around that, and it was just a cool to work through that even as a family um, in that. So that's what, kind of what I think of when I think of that. Another, I liked what you had to say, Laura, about the, the E. You know, I think that's... Um, Ben said, are we, uh, we talked about, are we going to rebrand? And, I, and we kind of joked, rebrand means you had a brand before. <laughs> and I was like, well, we had the E, you know, isn't that, you know, doesn't that count? <laughs> so, um, so that, we, we talked about some continuity with like what we had displayed before, even though it wasn't really a whole lot. I kind of liked what you had to say about why you designed the E kind of the way you did. So if you want to expand on that, I think that'd be encouraging. Yes, the you just got a little makeover is what happened. But um, something, again, in the questionnaire, a theme that I saw over and over was gospel beauty. And we had just had a conversation about what that, what that means. There were so many different, because it can be a subjective, beauty can be such a subjective term. Uh, but something that I came back to time and time again was just the thought of God's glory being radiated um, through his beauty and us as Emmaus showing off that beauty, um, revealing that beauty to others. 
and something and just me thinking about about God's glory and revealing that in general, just thought about Isaiah 6, um, something that we covered fairly recently, and Isaiah coming upon his vision of the Lord and mm. how he was just so enthralled. Um, and so that is what, that's what we want for the people um, of, of our community, of outside our community, to see about Emmaus and to be deeply drawn in and enthralled by the beauty of the gospel. Nice. Yeah, I, li- I like how it's just like, like bright. Yes. Um, and we, in one iteration of it, we tried to put some words in there, and it just looked, it just looked better and more simple that way. And I, and I, it was really encouraging to hear Laura just talk about like just the the glory of God as it's displayed in the in the beauty of the gospel and the people who are transformed by the gospel. Why do Cole? Why do you think? Why do you think gospel beauty has been like such a part of Emmaus for these last ten years? Like what? Or like that just that just seems like that almost rolls off of our tongue without even thinking about it sometimes. Why do you think that's just been a thing for for forever? Yeah, we definitely talk about gospel beauty a lot. Um, I'm seeing some head nods and and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, gospel beauty has really been something that's been integrated into our language from the beginning. And uh, the first reason for that is because that the the gospel is beautiful. I mean, that seems kind of uh, like no duh, but it's because the gospel is a beautiful thing. And uh, the fact that we have a king, a savior who would uh, come down and enter into this messy world and live in the middle of the mess that we've created um, in order to, to bring us to the father through him is a beautiful thing. The fact that he would live a perfect life where each and every one of us has failed in order to unite us to the good and perfect God is a beautiful thing. The fact that he would accomplish that by dying in our place, the death that we deserve, in order to to give us a newness of life that we get to walk in right now is a beautiful thing. And the fact that we get to uh, anticipate the final like eradication of all things evil and bad, and that we get to... Uh, look forward to a kingdom where things are as they ought to be is, is a beautiful thing. And so the first reason why we, why we talk about gospel beauty as much as we do is because it's a beautiful thing. Um, and secondly, um, is, look, if we all live in Denver, um, if you ask yourself what, uh, what draws people to live in Denver, why do people move to Denver? Um, and that's, one big driving factor is because Denver, honestly, is a beautiful place to live. Like, people are drawn to Denver because of the beauty surrounding the city. I mean, all you have to do is look west, and you see the mountains, the beauty of the mountains, the beauty of what God has created. And, um, I mean, what do we do for fun? We go up into the mountains where we get to hike and fly fish and do whatever else. Um, it's because God created this, this world and there are things about this, this world that are really beautiful that we're attracted to. And that's something that God has instilled within us. He, he has created us with this desire to see beautiful things and that's not a bad thing. And so we want to encourage that. But at the same time, we exist to see Denver transformed by the beauty, not of the mountains, not of the Santa Fe arts district, not of, um, like, being in shape or fit, it's, it's about the beauty of the gospel. And so ultimately, this beauty that we see in the mountains in, in, our, in and around our city, they point to something so much greater than Denver itself. They point to 
the beauty of the gospel. And so um, at Emmaus, our, our goal has always been to ultimately point to the bigger beauty found in the creator of those mountains who has a gospel such as this that would unite us uh, to the Father through the Son. Um, and so that's kind of why um, we talk about beauty so much, because the gospel is a beautiful thing, and because our city is kind of naturally attracted to beautiful things. No, that's really good. And I think that's something that you had talked about for a long time, even, you know, I feel like you've, you know, we, we've served together for a while, and, you know, I told, I told Cole, I was like, part of me wanted to just, like, ask you questions and see you go, um, because I feel very united to call. I feel very synced up on these things, and that's everything he just said is something that he said since I've been here for the last five years. You know, this is just, uh, I think, what is encouraging about this whole process for me is just to see that Emmaus, that even leadership at Emmaus has been recognizing what the culture is attracted to uh, in our city around us and saying, it is beautiful, we, we are attracted, that is wonderful, but we have something that's more beautiful. We have something that's more attractive. We have something that's more transformative, uh, and we have that in the gospel. And I think, um, you know, in light of, you know, in the context of transformation, um, one of our values is inward and outward love. And I, you know, I, I had a really good time going back and forth on all the wordsmithing of the things, you know, it's just fun for me. And I, I think, I don't, I don't think that one was ever changed. I think Laura just came up with that one and like summarized it. And we were just like, yes, that <laughs> we don't even, we need to use this language right now. Ben and I were like, we're just needed to put this in, in things. So what, like help, how did you come up with inward and outward love? Like where was the thinking as you like got to, to that place as sort of one of the values? And that's what's so fun too, is because I feel like inward and outward love was written all over the verbiage that you gave me, but not necessarily said specified that way. But I was like, this isn't this isn't like unique or original. I just restated what you guys said. So that's a fun uh, that's a fun part of the branding process. But yeah, as far as inward and outward love, again going with the connectedness theme and the familial and welcoming aspects, that which is such a strong part of Emmaus. So that is um, described, I think, in the inward love. So we're all about that, so good at that. Um, but then something that I think one of the questions I had asked was around like maybe some weaknesses of Emmaus. And um, that was just around, we want to be more focused on outward love to the community in um, figuring out exactly how we want to go about those efforts and being more, yeah, being more focused on that. And so I thought, what better way to commit to that than by putting that in our <laughs> values where we can't, we can't hide. It's like, uh, oh, well, yeah. got to commit to that for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that's, it's funny because we, you know, I think around that time, um, we've kept up with Lee a little bit. He came uh, and, and preached outside in the cold. Um, we've, I've kept up with him about once a quarter conversations, but a big part of that conversation was how can we get proximate or how can we get close to the marginalized? And I think that we are generally loving, both inwardly and outwardly, and I think we wanted some intentionality and ways to just talk about, like maybe even just clarity, you know, because we talk about being on mission and and I think that's a, a valuable aspect of who we are and our gospel communities uh, uh, 
consider those things, but we wanted something like kind of simple to direct us and say, I feel like that, that this idea of outward love, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means um, here in a second, but that when you, I don't know, it was one of those times where we, me and Ben just read it and we're just like, this is what it is. Like we don't, we don't, we don't, this is a perfect uh, little summary of kind of what we were talking about. So I really appreciated that. Cool, I think this is probably the easiest question and we'll kind of, we'll kind of wrap up this, se- this section um, with, with a couple of, of this, but uh, what, in the last like 10 years, what do you feel like has been, what do you, and the, uh, maybe inward love or outward love, wherever you want to start, like how do you feel like that's been, a, where has Emmaus has shown that or where has that like really stood out to you over the last 10 years? Yeah, I think as you think through like inward love, um, really see our identity lived out as uh, us united together as a family in Christ. Um, and so it's, it's been really cool to see. I know we kind of talked about um, how we have these patterns kind of woven into the fabric of what we do uh, to promote that uh, kind of growth in our identity as a family, um, as like gospel communities and DNAs. And I really think uh, inward love, that's, that's why we have those things. It's a way that we love each other as fellow family members in Christ. And so uh, gospel communities, communities exist really to, to foster that inward love. And uh, we kind of haven't, it's become a little bit different with, with COVID as we talk through the meal aspect of gospel community. Um, but that's been one kind of central uh, key element of our gospel communities is sharing a meal together. And that really does foster um, love for each other as we sit down around a table or around a couch or around a coffee table, whatever it is at your uh, gospel community, depending on how big your kitchen table is or if you have a kitchen table. Um, that's, it just promotes that and fosters that love that we have for each other as a family. Um, and just also as we uh, kind of uh, another element of, of gospel community is we talk through the gospel and we process sermons together, we process scripture together. We pray together. We get to know every, each other's needs. And uh, we, it's been awesome to see how <clears throat> within the gospel community context, within uh, the family uh, identity, uh, to see each other step up and meet really practical, physical needs. And because that's, that's what family does. And that's really cool to see. Um, and then outward love, too. Um, I think through uh, like Jesus in his uh, kind of last prayer before he goes to the cross, before he's arrested, uh, we read in John 17 towards the end of his prayer that Jesus, he prays that all of us will be united together in Christ. And he has a purpose, and he says, so that the world may know that you sent me, so that the Father has sent Jesus, and so that uh, the world may know that that he loves them just as he loves Christ. And so uh, this this purpose of this inward love, it's like Laura said, to be put on display to the world as a beautiful thing so that uh, the world may know that, that God loves his people. Um, and so it's been cool to see uh, just the openness of gospel communities as well uh, in, in bringing in. That's why we want to be so welcome when anybody walks through the door, whether it's on a Sunday gathering, whether that's uh, in, a, in a gospel community context in somebody's home. Uh, we want the world to know the love that the Father has for them. Um, it's the same love that the Father has has for Christ. And so um, I think of examples of, of that outward love, um, kind of going back, one of the first partnerships that we ever had before Emmaus met on Sundays 
Uh, we are all just kind of one gospel community. Uh, we partnered with an Eritrean refugee family and kind of just helped them with their transition from a whole different world to the United States. And that was a really cool opportunity for us to, um, to learn and grow together, uh, for us to be transformed in the beauty of uh, transformed by the beauty of the gospel, and also just to have opportunities to meet practical needs and, and opportunities to share the gospel. And uh, ultimately, we're doing this uh, because of this, the love that uh, like Jesus has for the world. Um, and so that's kind of transformed in a few different opportunities that we've had. Uh, like our uh, gospel community most recently has partnered with uh, a community in, in the Baker neighborhood, by hosting like a monthly game night. And we that's led to some really cool relationships that have kind of been more difficult since coronavirus hit as well. But um, it's been really cool to see how um, just that's transformed us uh, by the beauty of the gospel and how that's just been a great opportunity to share the love of Christ uh, beyond the walls of Emmaus. Um, and uh, I know the Mingis GC has a new partnership with Bridge of Hope. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity as they partner with uh, a single mom who's like kind of having, uh, just kind of getting feet her feet on the ground for her, her and her family. And so it's really cool to see that outward love kind of take shape. And that's something we always want to be thinking through. And so I really do appreciate, Laura, you uh, putting that on our branding <laughs> to make us think through that all the time. Um, and so... Do we show inward and outward love? I think that's really important for us to be asking ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah nothing like throwing it on a, a beautiful little thing here to help us think through those things more carefully. I, uh, and I did, I kind of said end with that, but I, I take that back. I have one more kind of last question. So then, then maybe Cole can close us in prayer and we can, we can spend uh, a few minutes in the word thinking through. If we're gonna be a word, uh, if we're gonna value word centrality and talk about our values, uh, we should probably go to the word uh, and consider those things. Um, so yeah, I guess I think, you know, I, ho- I hope you've been encouraged by just thinking through like a little bit of the process, thinking through kind of why we came to this, what we're, what we're, how this is a reflection of who we are and in some sense who we wanna be as we are transformed into the, uh, into the image of Christ. I guess I'd kind of last question, Cole, how do I, if I'm a part of Emmaus and I'm involved in different things that we do, how, how are the values something useful to me? Like, why, like in a sense, like why does that, why do these things matter to me? It's just a member of Emmaus. Yeah, and I guess we've kind of talked about it, but um, ultimately, as we talk through these values, inward and outward love, word centrality, gospel beauty, I think these are really good uh, indicators or, uh, I don't know, kind of evaluation tools that we can use to kind of hold up to everything that we do. Um, and so as we think through the things that we do, whether it's the, the Sunday gathering here every Sunday morning, whether it's your gospel community that meets weekly, whether it's your DNA group that meets either weekly, biweekly, whatever rhythm you have, um, and any other thing that we, we do at Emmaus, whether it's Emmaus Kids, uh, babies, um, man camp, uh, women's retreat, uh, the list goes on. Uh, any, whether it's just informally hanging out with somebody for coffee, um, anything we do, I think these are really good indicators to use in a, as an evaluation tool. Are these things showing our inward and outward love? Are these things centered on the word? Um, are these things uh, 
filled with gospel beauty so that we're transformed by that same beauty. And so I think these things are super useful, and I think that's where it's super beneficial that we put them up here to kind of uh, continue to <clears throat> evaluate whether the things that we're doing uh, meet these adjectives. Um, so, yeah. And ultimately lend towards the, the glory and honor of our Lord. You know, I think that's the, the, the value that's maybe behind all the values is that we're doing everything for the, for the glory of God. Um, and I think that's where, that's where I want to spend uh, uh, kind of the last little half of our section here going over, uh, going over this from the word. We want to say like what, what this is, this is things that we value because this is what God values because this is what brings God, God glory. So Cole, will you just close this section in prayer and then um, we'll jump into some scripture as well. Yeah. Father, we are... Um super encouraged by the fact that we get to gather here on a Sunday morning and worship you and just to interact with the beautiful uh, element of, of your family, of your community. Um, and we're thankful that we get to look around at this family and see signs of gospel transformation. We get to see the beauty of the gospel being massaged into our bones so that, so that we are more enamored by uh, Christ himself, by our King. Um, who would come down and uh, give us such a hope that we have to be able to walk in the newness of life uh, that is transformed by this beauty, um, and to have this hope of, of this coming kingdom. Um, and so we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather here on a Sunday. Uh, we're, th we're thankful also that we get to see your gifts at, on display in our community, uh, that we have gifts um, like uh, branding and, and whatnot, that, that Laura has come in and use those gifts uh, to, to make this uh, community one that uh, is, is better. We all benefit from that. Um, and so we have this uh, awesome uh, branding, but even uh, more importantly behind that, we have these um, uh, phrases that, that point us back over and over again to, to the gospel um, and to the foundations that we have had in Christ. And so we're thankful for um, just to, be able to walk through this whole process and, and see the ways that you have gifted your community and ways that you use that to, to build us up. Um, and so I do pray as we go forward that each of us would be um, transformed by the beauty of the gospel through this family. I pray that you would use us to encourage each other in times that are difficult, in times where we suffer. Um, and, I, and I pray that you would uh, use each other to encourage us to, to find joy uh, in, in Christ and in the good times as well because uh, ultimately all good things come from you. Um, and I pray also that you would uh, use this community to, to bring glory to yourself outside the walls of Emmaus, that you would uh, draw uh, people outside of your family to, to become members of your family, uh, because you have a hope that speaks not only to us, but also to, to the outside onlooking world. You desire more to come into repentance, and I pray that you would use Emmaus to achieve that purpose. Um, and so thankful for everybody here that we have this time and we get to reflect on uh, key identities. Um, so in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Laura, appreciate it. You guys don't have to awkwardly stand behind me while I, or sit behind me. So yeah, I wanted to take just uh, a few minutes to go through um, each one of the values. There's a little... Uh, summary of the value that will be that we'll make available on the website uh, we'll send it out to your GC leaders 
Uh, I'm not trying to be super comprehensive this morning, so if I don't give a biblical foundation for a particular element of the value, um, that's just what, how it is. <laughs> I am, but we are gonna cr- uh, cruise through a handful of different scriptures, though. Uh, so if you don't write them down, I'm gonna send them out to your GC leaders, and they're happy to share those things if you're interested. Um, but, I do, but we are gonna kind of jump around scripture. So the first the first value that I kind of wanted to look at was word centrality. And I, I thought this was I thought this was appropriate since we're gonna value word centrality. Um, we wanna spend some time talking about what that means from the word. And I like, we're, we're trying to be really careful how we, how we summarize this. We say all of our ministries dig deep into scripture, benefit from history, and rely on the spirit in order to uphold the authority of scripture above all else. And I want, what I wanna kind of focus on is the fact that we want to uphold the authority of Scripture above all else. And if you turn to 2 Peter, I thought this was a really good story from Peter that sort of, sort of gives us that. 2 Peter chapter one, it's a little, tiny little book. If you see all the Johns, you know you've passed it. Um, but it's, uh, if you look at 2 Peter chapter one, starting in verse 16, He says, Peter says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's talking about the fact that, hey, the gospel, the beauty of the gospel isn't something that we just came up with. We were actually eyewitnesses of his glory and his majesty and his beauty. And he goes on to to talk about when, when, he, when he was eyewitnesses of this, and he's, verse 17 says, for when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, quote, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And what Peter is talking about, he's talking about the transfiguration in the gospels. Peter, Peter is bringing up this story and saying like, look, this, this isn't something we've made up. We actually, we actually experience this ourselves. We, we experience G- Jesus being utterly transformed before our eyes. And he doesn't bring up the fact that Moses and Elijah were there. Peter, James, and John are on the mountain. Jesus transforms his glory and his beauty is, is radiating so much that they just fall down and say, we should worship here. They don't even like know what to say. And then as they're seeing this beauty and this glory, God speaks from heaven audibly and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So it's interesting that he's talking about this crazy experience, this this wonderful, beautiful experience of the glory of God. And he's like, look, this isn't made up. This is something that we've experienced. And I think the most crazy statement that he says is is in the next verse. Look at verse 19. He says, and we have something more sure. We have something more certain, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in in your hearts. We have something more sure, more certain. And I'm like, Peter, I think Jesus showing up and being transformed and God speaking from heaven sounds pretty sure to me. Like I would, if I were choosing how to convince someone of the certainty of of what God has said, I would rather have that experience. And it's interesting that he gives us this wonderful, beautiful, true, important experience. 
And he points to God's word and says, we actually have something more certain than that. And that's why as a community, we wanna, we wanna value word centrality because we do value our experience. We do value sensing and, and understanding the beauty and the glory of God. And those are real things. But the most certain thing that we have as a community is what God has said in his word. And he goes on kind of to give a little explanation. He says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And he's comparing that to his, his real personal experience. And he's saying, even when I give you that experience or I talk about that experience, I have to interpret that in some way myself. But, but God's word is something that is, comes from God himself. Because God's word is an objective reality. We're talking about this in the leadership intensive that comes from God himself. It's more sure than even the experience I had seeing Jesus utterly transformed before my eyes. And I think that's amazing. He picks up on the fact that it's not just that it's more sure. It's not just that it comes from God. He picks up on the fact that it's, a, it's light. He uses this like poetic language. It says until the day dawns in your heart or the morning star rises in your heart, he picks up on this idea of light. And Isaiah picks up on that as well. And I think it's interesting, Peter quotes from Isaiah a lot. If you go back to Isaiah, I don't know, eight, I think is what I got on there. I'll find it because I know like physically where it is. Um, so yeah, eight, it's in, a, it's in uh, chapter eight, verse 20. He picks up on this idea of light. And light in, light in scripture means a handful of things, but, but in, in, it's, it's representative of God himself. It's representative of life. It's representative of wisdom. And so for, for someone to have light dawning in their heart, that could be life, that could be wisdom, that could be the very presence of God himself. So it's not just that, that we wanna be a, a community that values word centrality because it comes from God. We wanna value word centrality, we wanna see it as an authority above all else because it includes light, it includes life, it includes wisdom. And he says, and Isaiah says in, uh, I don't know if I have 19 on there. We'll just do 19. They're basically, Israel is, is, needs wisdom. Israel needs life. So they're going everywhere they possibly can to find these things, but not in scripture. They, they actually rip gold off the temple to try to buy off a country to save themselves instead of going before the Lord. And Isaiah is, is bringing this up and scolding them. And he says in verse 19, he says, and when they say to you, Isaiah, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, the, the sort of the people of the day that, that would have helped us sort of figure out this situation. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? He's saying, why don't you go to God and God's word? It's a, the very next thing he says in verse 20. He says, to the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. If they will not speak according to this word, to the teaching and to the testimony, is because they have no dawn. They have no light. So we, we wanna be a community that sees the scriptures as authority above all else. We wanna value word centrality, not just because it comes from God, but because it's where we find real light. It's where we find real life. It's where we find real wisdom as we, as we go to the teaching and to the testimony. And I think another Maybe a third reason why we wanna value word centrality comes from, from Jesus himself at the end of Matthew. And I really um, 
like this verse, it's one of my favorites. But in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us another reason why we should value word centrality. He has risen from the dead. We're about to wrap up the gospel. He's leaving his disciples and he says, and Jesus came and said to them, and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's like, FYI, in case you're wondering what I'm in charge of, everything in heaven and everything on earth. That's the kind of authority that I have. So then what does he say? He says, go therefore and, this, and make disciples. This is part of why our mission is to, to make disciples by making much of Jesus. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's what I wanna pick up on in verse 20. It says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Teaching you to observe all that I've commanded you. So another reason why we wanna be a community that values word centrality, not just because it's from God, not just because it's, that's where we find light, but in a very real sense, because Jesus said so. Because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And if our Lord, the, the king that we worship has all authority and, and he commands us to do something, we want to value that. We want that to be something that as a community that submits to that Lord, that's something that we value. I think that kind of is a natural transition to one of our other values, our, our inward and outward love. And if you wanna put that one up on the screen. Inward and outward love is something that's been, uh, a, I think, a part of Emmaus um, since, since it's been around. And I think it's a really, it's cool to have sort of like language to put these things to. But this is when we say, well, if we wanna obey the Lord, if we wanna obey what, what he's commanded, then we, we talk about this, we say we wanna be transformed, we wanna look like Jesus. We, we say the summary of the law is to love God and to love neighbor. Um, and we, in our value statement, we summarize it by saying as a, a family who serves each other, we're welcoming and hospitable to those around us. And the love that we have for each other is what flows out as we live on mission together. And Cole kind of talked about that. It's, a, it's the love that we have for each other that actually flows out, that, that, that makes the gospel beautiful. And in John, John 13, I think this is a really good um, kind of passage that, that summarizes, summarizes some of that. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Cole brought up John 17, some of the similar themes here, but he's, he's talking about what he commands. Like, what did Jesus command? If he is Lord over heaven and of earth, then what has Jesus commanded? And he says to them in verse 33, little children, I really appreciate that. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus is, is leaving this earth. And he looks at his disciples and he says, kids, little children. He cares for them. And he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. A new commandment. And you might say, well, Aaron, it says in the Old Testament that we should love God and love neighbor. That's not really a new commandment. Jesus is saying this is a new commandment because now you know what it looks like. Jesus is the embodiment. Jesus is, is if you wanna know what the whole point of the Old Testament was and all of the rules and regulations, look at Christ. Now you have a new commandment in the sense that you are to love one another 
as Jesus has loved us. And I'm excited next week, Cole has a sermon on what it means to love. Uh, And we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians 13 in probably the least stereotypical way possible if I know Cole, so I appreciate that. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on that other than like just a casual mention at a wedding. So so I'm excited about what what it means to love one another. But I like Jesus goes on and he says, this is why I command this. This is why I command this love for each other. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, people will know. And I think that's super weighty. Is it your confession? Is it your theology? Is it how much you participate? Jesus says, no. How much you love one another. How much you consider those in your family. That inward love is how the world is gonna know that you're my disciples which I think is one of the most encouraging things about being at this church. You guys, we didn't didn't have to think about committing to inward love. (laughs) That's just, this is part of who we are. And I think think that's what attracts people to Emmaus. I think that's what what makes this community so wonderful is we do show love for one another and by that love that we have for one another is how people we will know, how people will know that we're disciples of Jesus. Look at Acts 13. It doesn't end there, as we've kind of talked about. Acts 13, another command from the Lord, as far as, as far as what does it look like to submit to the Lord. Verse 47, it says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, this is Barnabas and uh, Paul talking here. He says, The Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. He picks up on this idea of light again. It's the same thing that Peter's talking about in 2 Peter, the the same thing that that Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah. He has made us a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He's actually using us, transforming us, making us look more like Jesus, making us known for our love for one another, not so that we could huddle in a room and no one could see that. He's made us a light. He's made us a a city set on the hill so that we could be a light shining, so that we could be (laughs) our little E, so so we could see his glory being displayed in all of Denver, his glory being displayed as a light for salvation in where we work. His glory being displayed in our, in our DNA or at a coffee shop or, or when we're at the park or whatever we're doing. The whole, the whole purpose of his transformation for us is so that we could be a light for other nations, so that we could be a light for those around us and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And I think the, the easiest value, um, if you wanna go to the next value, the easiest value for us to talk about in our community, I think, um, is gospel beauty. And we've, we've talk, we, like Cole said, this has just been a part of our, who we are for forever. And, and, and we talk this way and there's these beautiful places that we're looking at and gospel beauty is, is transformative. And, I, and we kind of went back and forth on how to phrase this. And I really like how it says a beautiful gospel is a transforming gospel because it's an attractive gospel. A beautiful gospel is a transforming gospel because it's an attractive gospel. We're meant, to, we're meant to see what Christ has done and who he is as something that we're drawn to. 
to see something as attractive and not be drawn to it is, doesn't make any sense. If we're, if we're attracted to the beautiful gospel, it's actually gonna transform who we are. So it says, as disciples then, because of that, we, we put Jesus's beauty on display as we make much of him and less of ourselves. Much of him and less of ourselves. That's why we wanna value gospel beauty. And let's look at 2 Corinthians. This is, uh, I think if Emmaus had a, a theme song, it would have to be based off of this verse. Um, so maybe Ben can write us a song as it reads. He's like, don't tempt me. Um, look at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 18. It says, and we, with all, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, the beauty, the majesty, the wonder, the awe, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. It's beholding that beauty that changes us are being transformed to the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. As we behold, and this is, you know, as we talk about being taught by the spirit in our sermon series, the gospel is beautiful. Jesus is glorious. We may not see it that way. We often don't. It's a struggle, but it, but it is beautiful. And I think as, as a community, if we value gospel beauty and we don't see it as beautiful, that's where we can, say to each other, I don't really see it as beautiful right here. I need the spirit to work to transform me. I need, I need God's word to, to show me the wonders and the beauty of the gospel so that, so that my hearts can be stirred, so that I can be transformed, so I can be attracted to who Jesus is. And I think that's what's one of my more favorite parts about the road to Emmaus. Um, it's another passage I feel like almost obligated to talk about if we're talking about the values of Emmaus Church. Um, is the passage in, in Luke 24. It's interesting that they're, they're on their way somewhere. They're sort of bummed. They're seeing the gospel is not beautiful. Jesus died for our sins and they're bummed out because they didn't quite understand what Jesus was doing. And they're walking off to Emmaus, leaving Jerusalem and, and, and probably was the best biblical theological study in the history of the world. Jesus is walking them through uh, all of scripture in showing them how all of scripture points to who he is. And they don't know it's Jesus because Jesus has disguised himself. And then they sit down and eat with him and he breaks the bread. And, and, the, and all of a sudden their eyes are open and they're like, this is our Lord. They're like, this, this whole time we've been learning from this guy on this road, the whole time we've been talking, it's actually been Jesus himself. And right when Jesus appears to them and they recognize him, he disappears, which... He talks to them later, but I just, they're sitting there staring at each other and, it's, and, and Jesus is gone. And you think like the first thing they would say is like, why did he just disappear? <laughs> but they don't, they don't go there. Look at what he says in verse 32. They did, he vanished from their sight in verse 31. And the very next thing they say, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. Did not our hearts burn within us? It's like, wow. We could see and behold the beauty and the wonder of the gospel as Jesus opened up the scriptures to us. Wasn't that amazing? 
That's the thing that they're in awe at. And I think it kind of brings us full circle. And that's part of why we're, that's a, all of these, these, these values sort of interact with each other. Is we want to be a community that values word centrality because we want to be a community that's shaped by the beauty of the gospel because we want it to transform us so that we have inward love that flows outward to the community around us. And I hope that as you kind of discuss this in your, in your GCs, I hope that this is, this is helpful for us as a community. I hope this is helpful to unite us around what scripture says so that we can be one as our, as our heavenly father is one. I hope this is something that makes it more clear so that we can proclaim the gospel and talk about what we value as a church in a way that's, that's, that's clear and useful. And I hope that we can use this, like, like Cole said, as a, as, a, as a guidepost or as an evaluation tool or as a compass to say, if these are things that my Lord has commanded, if these are things that, that, that God has told me to value that bring him glory, then when I'm at work, do I value inward and outward love? When I'm practicing in the liturgy team for worship, am I thinking about gospel beauty? When I show up for prayer in the morning and how I think about how I pray throughout the week, do I value word centrality in that? There, there's so many ways that we can just kind of take these things and they can be an instrument for us to, to see and behold. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, I hope more and more of us see the beauty of our creator so that we can say, did not our hearts burn within us when we saw the beauty of the gospel? That's what we, that's what we, that's at the end of the day, that's what we want these values to do. We want them to transform us because we see and are in awe in the beauty of the gospel. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have equipped our little community with um, so many wonderful people who are gifted in so many ways. And, and your spirit raises people up to, to serve everything from, from rides or all the way to, to equipping people to, to build brands and, and to serve our community in this way, Lord. Um, there, there's so many things we don't see behind the scenes going on where you are, you've made people into your image and they're, and they're working to build up the community, Lord. I, I thank you that you have equipped us in that way. Lord, I pray that the equipping would not be in vain, that you would, you would receive more glory and honor and praise and worship for how you've equipped us, that you would receive... Um, that, we, that we'd see more of your presence in our lives and in our weeks because of the things that you value and the things that we wanna value, Lord. So I pray that you would just encourage us this morning. I pray that um, you would make these things useful by your spirit so that we could be changed more into your image and experience more of you. Uh, thank you just for the joy of this and uh, all the ways that you provide again. In your name I pray, amen.